You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom and beyond. Hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers. So we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them. We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is normal. That we are worthy of love and pleasure. And that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you? Hello. Hello. Welcome to the first official episode of Honey Do Me Podcast. We're so excited to be here. Yes, we are. And in order to give you a chance to get to know us, <laughs> we're interviewing each other today. Yeah, just a little first step to see what this is all about. Yeah, to see if we want to take our relationship to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know each other's questions, so we're just going to go for it. Yeah. Okay, now I just want to dive right in. There's no easy transition. There's no, like in our friendship, in our conversations, I'm just going to go for it as I would. All right. What was one of the first times you remember? <laughs> you gave me think. It's not even that scary. You remember thinking about having sex and how did you think it would go? That's actually really interesting. And I've never talked to anybody about this. I've oh never God. been asked this question. <laughs> so I don't know if this is weird or if other people have a similar experience, but like I didn't think about sex a lot until I was, I really didn't think about it at all until I was in my first like relationship, which I was in at 14. So it was my freshman year of high school. And it was like my first relation, sorry to my fourth grade boyfriend and my <laughs> sixth grade boyfriend. It was my first real relationship, <clears throat> real. I consider it real. Like yeah. I like still looking back, like I think like I loved him in the capacity that I had then. Anyways, that's not what you asked. <laughs> so I didn't really think about sex until I was in that relationship. And then we started like doing sexual things as you do. Um, and he had already had sex before. At 14? He was a year older than me. Okay. And he had talked about it a little bit. Like he never pressured me, which was amazing. We were together for like quite a long time. Like I think it was like a year and a half. Like we broke up at one point and got back to whatever. Anyways, so I didn't really think about sex a lot until like he brought it up and was like, do you want to have sex? And I like, I knew I wasn't ready. So I didn't like, it just wasn't really pushed. Like we did other things. That was great. I really enjoyed that. I just, it never really crossed my mind. And then one day- I was like, I want to have sex. Like it was literally just like this, like light, light switch. switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was so weird. I just all of a sudden started like fantasizing about having sex Ooh, with him. Uh -huh. It was wild. Cause like the day before, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, no, I'm not ready to have sex. And then the next day I was like, yeah, I'm ready to have sex. And 
it was so, it's kind of cool to think about it that way because it's like, I really like stuck and like, obviously not everybody is in that situation. Like there is pressure and it's like, it is nobody's fault if they have sex before they are ready besides the person that's pressuring them to have sex. But in my case, like I really like, wasn't ready to have sex and I didn't. And then all of a sudden I was, and I did, and it was mm-hmm. great. And I feel like I had so much like agency in that. And I feel like I really waited until I was fully ready. So I don't regret it. Like I was 15. Yeah. I was young. It was, I don't know, but I just felt so ready and I knew I want to have sex. I like was fantasizing about it and wanted it. And yeah, and so that's, that's how you I started know. thinking about it. Wow. Did you guys have like, um, a plan for your first time? Ugh. <laughs> yes. Speaking from someone who also did. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like a romantic plan. It was just like a, when are the parents going to be out of the okay. house plan, mm-hmm. which I don't know. It was fine. Like it hurt. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, it was special because like, I really, like I did love him. So like, I think it was really special in that way. And like, we really wanted to take our relationship to like that next level of intimacy. And so I think that's really cool. Like that's a really cool experience to have, but that is kind of like where the specialness of it ends Mm -hmm. because after that it was like, we had sex. It hurt. I cried um, because (laughs) I felt bad (laughs) because I I've, I feel like I have to tell everything to my mom. Like we just have a really close <laughs> yes. relationship mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to tell her because I knew she would tell me not to have sex. And mm-hmm. so I didn't tell her. And so I felt extreme guilt from that. And yes, it is a slightly unhealthy relationship. <laughs> so I don't need your commentary on it, but don't thank need you. <laughs> um, so I cried after, which is cool. And yes, mm-hmm. I have cried after sex since I think I am what they would call a crier. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's just like who I am and it's that's fine. That's just me in a nutshell. It's mm-hmm. just like when I when I release a lot of emotion, mm-hmm. I just like it come I don't yeah. know. It just like all spills out after. It's super fun. I'm a super fun girl to hang out with. I I <laughs> cried. I cried after my first time and it wasn't even voluntary. It wasn't even something I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's just like all of a sudden I was. Yeah. And I cried not going to lie after the first time I got fingered. Like I again I wasn't thinking about it. It was just like, "Whoa, this is like a new experience. It's a new thing, like just a rush of emotion over my body. So like, yeah, I'm an emotional person. So exactly. I totally understand. You don't have to over explain crying because I I do it all the time. (laughs) Crying is a part of how I express myself and it doesn't always mean I'm sad. Sometimes it means I'm happy, but I'm, Mm -hmm. it's like a sad, happy. It's just like when I have a really deep feeling, I'm going to cry. And you talking about like being fingered for the first time reminds me of this line from my (laughs) journal. (laughs) Um, and I am, I'm just going to go right into it. Okay. Is this your high school journal? Yes. It's my high school journal. It's my freshman year high school journal. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I want to say it without laughing. Okay. <laughs> Fuck me. It's really funny. That's why it's like really hard to get out. And I've never said this to anyone before. Oh my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> Today was the first day that I was fingered. Osama bin Laden was apprehended today. <laughs> and I think that was the full journal entry. <laughs> so, yes, I was very oh, informed. Oh, my God. And if you want receipts for that, I will post a picture. Just DM me. Oh. That's my single best journal entry, I promise you. That is the best. 
cracking. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm addicted to cracking open a cold one with the boys. <laughs> okay, that's hard kombucha. It's hard. <laughs> that I've now spilled. Okay, well, my next thing I was going to ask you about, I guess I still kind of can. I was going to ask you how you would describe your first sexual experience. Mm. And I guess that's anywhere on the spectrum of sexual experience with a partner or with yourself. And Mm -hmm. if you remember the first time of like being sexual in your body, Hmm. and if that's different from the light switch of a moment you felt with your boyfriend. Yeah. So I actually didn't masturbate before having a partner. And the first time I masturbated was when we were having phone sex at 15 years old. Oh my Jesus, I know. woman. I know. <laughs> I mean, go you in your imagination. No, it was like dirty talk. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, like I wasn't doing it, like he was doing it. But I think like ever since then, like I think that's why I like dirty talk was because of that experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know. That was like the first time that I masturbated, but that was like after we were like in the relationship and like doing sexual things. Okay. So I really don't know, like my first sexual experience, like, ugh, I don't like this word, but like when we first started dating, like we're like dry humping stuff. It was like exciting. Cause I had no other like, reference reference for it. Right. Like holding hands, <laughs> palm sweat, kissing, <laughs> A peck at a basketball game. (laughs) That's very fair. So it was exciting because it was like my first. Uh I was going to say with a man, but (laughs) I mean, with with a boy. (laughs) With a 15 year old boy. (laughs) Yeah. So I have more to say on that. Oh, keep going. Okay. You asked me to describe like my first sexual experience. So I would like to give a little more context to the first time we had sex. Okay. Because I didn't say what we did after. Oh my God, this is my favorite yes, thing. Yes, I did cry. But then we went to his mom's choir concert. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we sure did. And it was, <laughs> I think we had this perception. Like, okay, I guess I need to like research more on virginity and like pleasure and all of that. Like we didn't use lube. If you haven't had sex, use lube the first time. Like, I think that would be my number one recommendation. <laughs> but then the second thing is like, I think we thought I was going to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> we all thought, <laughs> all of us there thought that I was going to. Like, I think we thought that. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Well, that's like, an un- yeah. But I then it. like I didn't. So we wrapped up and then we went to a choir concert. I would like to mention one more thing to set the tone of this whole day. He biked over to my house. He stopped at 7-Eleven to get the condoms and a Mountain Dew. (laughs) To refuel. So that was like my first sexual experience. It wasn't, (sighs) I loved him and it was special in its own way. I sometimes wonder if he thinks about it, but. Well, that leads into what I was going to also ask, which was, what do you think your ex would say about you? That I have a lot of emotions. (laughs) All of them? All of your exes? All one. I've only like been in like like relationships that I would consider like relationships. I'm in my second one right now. Okay. So and like the the guy you had your first with was your first? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't been with a lot of people. That's okay. That's my thing. Or you can say 
what you think Jurgen would say about you if he was your ex. Oh God. <laughs> that I have now, a lot of emotion. Your now fiance would say. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like, yes, I've grown a lot. I think I am still like in a lot of ways, the same person that I was in high school. Like I think I, I'm a very emotional person. And so I like, I feel things very deeply, but I'm also a very expressive person. So I am shy around strangers, but with my partner, I am incredibly expressive about how I'm feeling and you will never have to guess how I'm feeling because I will tell you mm -hmm. and I will probably say it kind of loudly. <laughs> okay. And so I think like, I think those would kind of be like the major things that like my ex would say about me. I hope, like, mm -hmm. I hope he wouldn't have anything like really mean to say. Like I was very dramatic when he broke up with me, <laughs> like very dramatic, like oh, walked no. outside and like I think it was like really cold. I think it was winter. Mm -hmm. Like walked up like the hill to like walk away. <laughs> I don't know. You if you're it. listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like I was 15. I was going through a lot with my family. It mm -hmm. didn't have anything to do with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you walked up a hill like out of breath. Like why the fuck did I choose <laughs> just a hill? Like regretting everything. <laughs> yeah. I just, I have a lot of emotions. If you were to say, what your theme song would be as a woman, as a cast. So let me give you a little context to this question. I once asked Dakota, my partner, hey babe, really cute. <laughs> what do you think would be our theme song as a couple, Aww. right? He said, highway to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely rude and hurtful. And also didn't give a follow-up answer. Oh. Just, just said highway to hell as he was, as we were talking. It's a banger. <laughs> if we're talking rock classic, then, you know, I'm flattered. If we're talking literal, then I'm upset. Um, so, <laughs> so if you were to say what your theme song would be as a person. That's a really good question. And I listen to a lot of folk music, so I think it's a little hard for me to say. Okay. Um, because I think I choose a lot of theme songs that don't accurately depict anything about me. Mm -hmm. I think I have an addiction to sadness in a lot of ways. So I get that. Yeah. So sometimes I pick songs that are like way more intense than like anything I've ever experienced. Right. Fuck. If you would have asked me in college slash right after high school graduation, sure. I would have said anything Lana Del Rey. Okay. <laughs> Which is just inaccurate. I'm not, I think I used to like to think I was like this like dark twisty person who had like all, but I'm really not. I think I'm like a really like bright person. Like I, I would say so. You can have dark and twisty, but you're light as a person and you're very open. But I get, I get what you're saying. So I would have said, Lana Del Rey, but it would have been a lie because it just would have been who I want to be. Mm -hmm. But now I'm just trying to like accept who I am. So if I had to pick a song, it would be Summer Sun by the Ruin Brothers. But I feel like it's like a really, it's like happy, but it's also kind of somber. Like whenever I listen to that song, I think about my future mm -hmm. and I just think about like all of these like happy things that I want. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's necessarily my theme song right now. It's what I want my theme song to be. Well, I think that's wonderful. Thank you. What would you say is the best advice your mom has ever given you? You know, I like my mom is a woman of few words. 
she doesn't like to talk the way that I like to talk. And uh-huh. she, so like my birthday cards are usually just like whatever it says and like love mom. Okay. Which is fine because that's just who she is. And I love it. And she has given me like specific advice. So like for raising kids, she said, don't give them sugar. Don't let them sleep with you and don't buy them stuff. And I think that those are great. Those are like three great tactics. And I know that they're all based off of her experience with me Mm -hmm. because she would give me sugar and I would be a bitch. (laughs) She let me sleep with her when I was little. And then I never wanted to stop sleeping with her. So like I slept with her until I was like way too old. And then don't buy them stuff is because she would buy me stuff. And then I became a snotty, greedy brat. (laughs) And I still outspend my means. (laughs) I would say we have LA taste for you know, organ budget, but I would, I would not say that you are someone that like, I can be like, Oh, she was given a lot as a Mm. kid. I mean, I didn't grow up wealthy. Like we're definitely like lower income. Like we were on food stamps, like OHP, all of that kind of stuff or like Medicaid. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like, I didn't grow up wealthy by any means. I was definitely like below the poverty line, but I also Like I didn't necessarily feel the effects of that. Like I knew we couldn't have certain things, but I was never deprived. I don't know. There were shitty things. Like we had to give up our house at one point to like move in with my grandparents and like that sucked, but it like what, I mean, my Mm -hmm. grandparents' house was beautiful and like, it was fine. I don't know. And now (laughs) you and Farah, your mom are thriving. She's one of my favorite people that are in your life. She is a great lady. I love her so much. She's definitely like, the best thing in my life. Sorry, Jurgen. <laughs> and like, so yeah, she gave me that advice about raising a kid. And I know that she got all of those because of me. Sophia, my younger <laughs> sister is a perfect child. Like she has never had a single issue. Like it's really frustrating. And like, she doesn't even react to bug bites. Like her skin doesn't oh react gosh. to bug bites. It's stupid. Her nose I is smaller once. than mine. Her lips are bigger. Her eyes are bigger. Anyways. But I think the best advice that my mom has given me has like what she's shown me. So like my mom is a very independent woman. Mm -hmm. She got married when I was seven. My birth father, I don't know. I don't even like to call him that because he's like never been there. So I don't think he really deserves. Yeah. The the sperm that I was, the owner of Mm -hmm. the sperm that like created me. He's never been in the picture, which is fine. But then my mom got married when I was seven. But like for those first seven years, it was just us. Like Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I had a mom and that was it. And it was fine. It was like amazing. She was amazing. She got married didn't work out. He was a dick, um, to like an extreme level. And she became a single mom again, but then we also had my sister at that point. And she's just always been so independent and so like sure of herself. And in like the best way possible, I feel like she is full of herself. Like she Mm -hmm. like knows what she is capable of and she knows what she has to offer. And she just like owns it. And she's so confident in it. And she like, doesn't worry about what other people are going to say about her, what other people think about her. Like she's had people talk shit about her. I know that because they've talked shit about her to me. It's really fucked up. Um, that people think they can talk about single moms that way. Like it's really Mm -hmm. wrong anyways. And she just doesn't give a shit about any of it. And she's just like so strong in herself and Like she's taught me that I'm still learning that a lot. Like that's something I really struggle with is like waiting for other people's approval and comparing myself to other people. And she just doesn't do that. And I think that she's 
like one of my greatest teachers in that way is just like watching her exist. She doesn't need to say anything. She doesn't need to tell me like you need to do this in order to be this and to be happy. It's like she just exists. And in that, I like that's my greatest lesson. It's just the way that she exists as a human being and like all of her confidence and like her, I don't know, just badassness. And she's funny and she's cool and people love her and she's just herself. And she doesn't worry about it past that. So I would say that's the best advice that my mom has well, given me. it better be. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You're going to make me cry just talking about your mom. <laughs> so cute. I love my mom. What is one risk you've taken in life that you're proud of? Mm, you know what? I'm taking one right now. I was um, hoping this would be your answer. Okay, good. Yeah. I have like two risks that I've taken and I think one of them I'm in. So it's hard for me to tell that it's like a good thing. (laughs) It's just going to be fucking profitable. Um, Yeah, I get that. I feel it. Yeah. So I was actually supposed to go to graduate school this fall, actually, like the day this is coming out um, next week. Mm -hmm. And I am deciding not to go, which is a huge risk. I've been it's kind of what I spent my whole like college career preparing for. It's what I've been telling myself I've been preparing for like since college. The reason I have that have had the jobs that I've had moving up to Portland away from my family. Um, Isn't that kind of crazy that I asked you this question about risk you take when it's the day before I even knew that you yeah. decided that you're not going to go to graduate school? Yeah. So I literally just told Emma that mm-hmm. I'm not going to graduate school. It's been something I've been thinking about because I something was feeling off which is weird for me because I've had this plan and I knew what I I was going to get my master's in social work. I was going to become a counselor, get my LCSW, yada, yada. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And then it was like, all of a sudden it stopped feeling right, which is really scary because it like going to graduate school feels so solid, even though it's not. And it's not like, I don't know. It just, it felt so solid. And I am choosing to do something I love over something that I felt like I should do. And, you know, when I really think about what I want to be doing, it's not social work. And I am so like in awe of people who do want to be in social work. And I have a lot of friends getting their master's in social work and it's amazing. And I'm so proud of them and it's not for me. And I, social work is not the field for me. I loved working in it. And it's not, it's not it anymore. I am too, I absorb other people's emotions too much. I, and I take it home with me and I don't, I don't want to change that about myself. Actually, I think in order to be in social work, you really do need to change that about yourself and have really strong boundaries. And I don't have strong boundaries and I don't want to, that's not, I like, that sounds kind of unhealthy, but that's not (laughs) who I want to be. Like, I love being super open and I Mm -hmm. love like taking on people's stuff when they want to like have me help them hold it. Mm-hmm. I love that. And you can't do that in that field. Right. And so our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. 
And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But the other big risk that I took was asking my now partner out on a date, which was a big risk for me because it was very scary and I never did anything like that. And I had to get, I, I walked away from him at first when I had the chance to ask him out and I sat in my car, like literally walked away, not like figuratively walked away, sat in my car and had to talk myself up into asking him out. And I said, I am a badass independent woman. And I can ask him. And I did. And now I'm engaged and we're getting married, which, you know, has its pros and cons. Well, you <laughs> you did, but it, it took you a minute because of, no, like physically there was a, there. Okay. <laughs> well, one of my favorite stories. Okay. So basically my fiance and I, like Emma and I, I got my two best things <laughs> in college. Um, yeah, my fiance and I met in class and we would talk during class and it was great. And we had like this really great conversation. Um, I could not remember his name for like the first few weeks they were talking. <laughs> it's Jurgen. So it's like a very weird name. It's now it's German. like second nature. But mm -hmm. before I understand Jurgen Herman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I was like waiting for him to ask me out and he just never did. Like I totally thought that we were like had this great vibe. We were totally getting along. He never asked me out whatever. I would like talk about him to my friends and like all of this stuff. I thought he was fantastic. Just never nothing. Anyways. So then there's this day when we're having this there, they were having a sale in the library of like the Dean's books. I don't know. <laughs> 50 bullshit. shades of gray was in there. Yeah. So it, it was a good sale. I don't know. It was a good sale. I'm just saying. <laughs> so we are walking out of class and he's like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go check out the library sale. A clear invitation. Sure. I say, cool. I'll see you later. <laughs> and I walked in my car in the opposite direction. That's when I get in my car. That's when I look in the mirror and I tell myself, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? You are a badass independent woman. Go ask him out. I try to call my mom. She doesn't answer. <laughs> so I have no option, but to choose for myself, which is not something I'm normally comfortable with. So I did it. Um, get out of my car, walk over to the library. I see him. I'm like, you know, casually looking through the books. Like I just happened <laughs> upon there, even though it was in the exact opposite direction of my car. And he just told you he was going to be there. Yeah. So, oh, you're here. What? <laughs> so I go across the table from him. There are these long tables with all these books on it. And I start talking to him, but guess what? He doesn't look up because he had headphones in. <laughs> and so in that moment, I'm lucky to say it was one of the worst moments of my life. I, I realized the privilege in that. I think I hate this. I hate myself. I hate that I've come here. This was the biggest mistake I've ever made. And I get ready to leave. And then he looks up, he sees me and he was like very excited to see me. And it was great. And we like scanned books. I made a joke about the 50 shades of gray thing. And I said, I'm going on a hike this weekend with my dog. And I said, do you want to go with me? And he said, yes. 
but we had a good time and now we're getting married. So, and that's, (laughs) there was nothing in between. (laughs) That's literally the whole story. That was one of the first stories you ever told me when we were just starting to hang out and I died because I could totally picture you just like talking to someone who's like absolutely not listening. It was (laughs) horrible for my closer. What is one sexual or body stigma you wish you could change right now today, this moment? Oh, there are so many if I had to pick one, but I'm I'm just going to go with menstruation because that is the thing that I am probably most passionate about in regards to shame and like sexual shame is the idea that like we are taught that menstruation is a negative aspect of ourselves, that it's dirty, that it's wrong, that we have to hide it, that it's not something that we can talk about. And I just think that is the most fucked up thing to do to menstruating individuals. Like people with uteruses deserve so much fucking better than that. We deserve to talk about it from the second that we get our period. We deserve to talk about it before that. We deserve to be prepared. And the reason that we're not prepared is because people don't want to fucking talk about it. And then not only that, like, I have a lot of reproductive related health issues. I have endometriosis. I have severe cramps. Like a lot of my life is impacted by my period. And the reason that there aren't any fixes for that is because of the fucking stigmatization of menstruation, the lack of research into people with uteruses and it's fucked, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that, like the stigma is there because I still feel nervous talking about it sometimes Mm -hmm. because I still feel like "Mm, maybe that isn't for like, maybe I shouldn't talk about it in front of them. And I never want that for my children. Like if I could, if I could change one thing, it would be that. Like I wish that I could take away that shame for people because I think about like how many people would just like have a weight lifted off of them and would Mm -hmm. be healthier and happier and just like, have that opportunity to be the fullest expression of themselves without having to worry if they're making somebody else uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great answer. And that's what I was expecting you to say. And I was happy that you went into that a little bit. Okay. So thank you Cass for my questions. I have to pee. You go. Can I go pee? And then I'll ask you your questions. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to start out with some rapid fire just so that we can get like a real good idea of Emma's essence. And then we're going to get into the real, oh, my essence. the real meaty stuff, but okay. because it's coming from me, it's going to be vegan meaty. <laughs> vegan meat. I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Ready? Ready. I want you to go as fast as you can. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> Your Zodiac sign. Scorpio. One word that describes you. Mm, sarcastic. Favorite color. Mm, emerald. Place you want to travel. Um, Denmark. Favorite TV show. Oh God. Um, uh, I really hate this about myself, but I really like Lucifer and it sucks, but I like it. I like it in a weird way. So that's my, that's my, that's it. Show. Those are okay. all your rapid fire. <laughs> and now you know, Emma, and now you know me. Okay. Except- we'll see you later. <laughs> Except don't watch Lucifer and be like, Oh, this is her because she loves this. The acting is terrible. The plot lines are terrible, okay. but it's something that I've become so involved in that like I can't stop. So what's sh- what's one show that like describes Friends. you then? Oh, okay. Friends 100%. Drop me in the center of an episode blindfolded and naked with, <laughs> with one line from the episode I could tell you backwards and forwards where we are. Wow. Well, mine is New Girl if anybody was wondering. You you are 100% um Jessica Day. Thank you. I have a lot in common. You do. Yeah. The glasses, the hair, those are all very similar. I think she runs into things too. I run into a lot of stuff. 
Anyways, this is about you. (laughs) So I would love to start out by having you tell us when and how your interest in sex started, because I know you have a long relationship with sex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is so true. And I love this. Okay. I would say my relationship with sex was like born into me Um, (laughs) from a very birthright. (laughs) I was in the womb. No. Okay. So (laughs) I would say from really little, because I remember being in preschool and receiving a book about bodies and bodies changing from my parents. I carried it with me everywhere. I studied it. I loved looking at how boobs, vaginas, and penises grew and evolved as you grew up. I don't know why. Um, it got flagged at preschool (laughs) and my parents were talked to. They said, please do not send your three-year-old with this body book. Not everyone's going to be comfortable with it. I don't know why I was a pervert, but I was, um, So I would say really little, I started being interested in sex. I always loved it in school Mm -hmm. as I was growing up. I started masturbating really young. I think how young I was probably like seventh grade. Okay. Go you. I guess that's not super young. You're making up for me. (laughs) Yeah. I, it was just something that I was always really interested in. It was like, not only was it like a taboo subject, but it was like something I loved learning about. I loved knowing how my body worked. I didn't really care. Penises seemed really simple, really like (laughs) they are, they worked easy. But I loved learning how it worked inside of my body. So I would say really young. (laughs) The preschool story was great. It's a fun story. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's one of my favorites. I had, you know what? I don't even know if I had it, but my, one of my best friends, had the American girl body book. Okay. So that was like my first like book was looking at it with her and like laughing at the tampon insertion (laughs) diagram. I helped my friend. We were reading those books. Mm -hmm. Um, the first time she got her period and she wanted to use a tampon. It wasn't maybe the first time, but it was like very early. It was the mm-hmm. first time she was using a tampon and we had one of those body books. <laughs> so she brought me in the bathroom. She go, okay, like I need to like know how to do this. So I read her the body book of how to insert a tampon as she was doing it. We put up a little, we like opened the cupboard door cause it blocked the toilet. So yeah. I was on the other side privacy and I was reading her the step-by-step guide of how to put in a tampon. And she was like, all right, it's done. <laughs> I love that. It was, it was adorable. I actually just remember that when you said that. That's beautiful. All righty. Will you tell me about your awkward phase? Because I have a theory that we all have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, do we. Um, oh my God. Yes, I can. <laughs> Let's set the scene. Um, it is, I would say my awkward phase There were two, but the one that I am most ashamed of would probably be high school. So it's 2010, 2012, like 2012, Mm -hmm. like in between there. The Um, good years. The good years. Eyeliner, heavy. All the way around? Oh, sure. I love that. So I guess I didn't, no, no, no. Actually, this is worse. I didn't put it on the top. I just put it on my waterline. Excuse me? Where did you get that? Like, where did that come from? Just right here. Like if you pull your eyes down, just right there. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I did all the way around. I Oh, sure. I've never met somebody no, no. who just did below. Just waterline. Yeah. Um, I would use two to three different types of mascaras mm. per day, like every day mm-hmm. getting ready. No face stuff. So I guess maybe that was good because I would have no idea how to put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a thing. 
And then I had braces when I first started high school. I was really into that look of, you know, you just bit into a crayon. So your teeth are like a billion different colors. Um, those are what my braces I just like. ate Crayola for lunch. <laughs> I had Play-Doh and now it's stuck in my teeth. Those are what my braces looked like. Okay. Um, so eyes, teeth, bangs. Bangs were over here, you know, to the far of your forehead and mm-hmm. across sweeping. Yes. Um, you had a lot of layers. You had layers for days. So they start mm-hmm. at your eyes and just taper. They taper down. Yes, they do. So I had Hollister shorts on always. Um, Graphic tees? With like brand oh tees? Aeropostale. I have to tell you, this is not high school, but it was farther back. I was like obsessed with graphic tees, but like being cool. And so I would get my graphic tees from Aeropostale. And there was, I, I loved eating. I was also chubby. Oh my God. Okay, wait. So that was my other thing. <laughs> so there was. So high school, I wasn't chubby. Middle school, I was chubby. That's a, di- that's a different phase. So this is, I'm going back now to middle school. Awkward. I bought my graphic tees from um, Aeropostale. As we all did from that back table. (laughs) And so I bought one that said, eat your heart out. But I thought it was like, (laughs) eat a ton. Like (laughs) you should always be eating because like, duh. So that's why I bought it. And I wore it with my rolly backpack in middle school. Oh my God, maybe I should be talking. (laughs) Maybe that one's more awkward than high school. (laughs) You had a rolly backpack? I I had neck problems, so I had to have a rolly backpack. Of course you had neck problems. I've had neck problems from youth, so like very young, I guess. I have. I fell off of bleachers when I was... No, I just wanted a backstory. That's why I was making that face. (laughs) You fell off of bleachers. Yeah, so when I was like four, I fell... I was at the very top. We were at... um, My dad was a track coach. We were at the track. I didn't know that. Yeah. He coached, uh, at a community college, the community college I went to actually oh. West Valley. But when I was little, I was at the very top of the bleachers. My sister's at the bottom and she was an idiot and said like, Oh, pull me up. And so I did, but obviously I'm three years younger. So mm-hmm. she pulled me down. And, um, so I smacked head first into the concrete Holy shit! And from my like forehead to like my neck, I was like tore up. And then it also, I also had scoliosis, slight form of scoliosis as a kid. I think I knew that. <laughs> you like look like someone that would have I felt that scoliosis vibe from you. <laughs> All of this, I knew that was like scoliosis. I, like I get it. Um so anyway, yes, so I had a rolly backpack because I had, <laughs> had neck problems. So yes. Rolly backpack I, it is. I feel like I should totally scratch high school because my awkward phase was I still had braces in middle school. I was chubby. I didn't understand um, grammar. So graphic, so eat your heart out meant eat a lot. I love that. <laughs> That's so endearing. I like, was so I, happy to get that. I was like, someone gets me. Cool. Like, and it's so anti-diet culture too. It's just like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, I am going to eat my heart out. I'm going to eat whatever the fuck I want. Hometown mm-hmm. buffet? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I used to love hometown love buffet. hometown buffet. Yeah. So I guess I would totally scratch high school as I was awkward. The eyeliner, you've heard mascara, not mm-hmm. great. Um, but middle school, I was very unaware of who I looked like to the public. And I would say looking- the public eye. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to look back on pictures- um, middle school would probably be the cringiest just from my outfit choices, the Bermuda shorts that were hand-me-downs for my oh. sister. I would wear my etnies, my black and pick mm. etnies. Um, so those two would be my two awkward phases. Eat your heart out, honey. <laughs> On that wave of awkward phases, I'd love to hear about your first dance. 
Oh my God. <laughs> my first dance. I think this is the best way to get to know somebody. <sighs> okay. Let's think. I think. Oh. <laughs> okay, wait. I have two really good stories. For All right. That. Um, so I think the first time I ever went to a dance. So I went to a middle school where all of my friends went to a different high school Mm -hmm. and my, where I lived, I had to go to high school in my hometown. So Mm -hmm. we went to do different. So my first dance, I went to my friend's dance at their high school. Okay. Um, I was in an electric blue dress (laughs) with, um, very small kitten heels, which were all my mom would let me wear. I hate kitten heels. I will say that now and I will hold to it. I like curled my hair. Like it just looks like tubes hanging down my face. I still had my braces on. Okay. So the funny story I have from that one, it was all going great dancing. And then I started dancing with my friend, um, who I had a crush on, of course. Anyway. So I was like, Oh my God. Like, okay, this I'm finally dancing with him. So hot. I look so good (laughs) in my electric blue dress and kitten heels. He can't stand it. Was it one of those like bubbly dresses? Yes, it was. Oh my God. Don't remind me. It was a bubbly dress. It had a very big bedazzle in the center of the like. I'd love if the, you could post a picture of that. I would rather not. <laughs> anyway, I will dancing. request it personally a million <laughs> times. We were dancing and it was like, and then all of a sudden I feel him like pull up my hair and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And I turn around and he's like, you had like a really big piece of tape in your hair. Oh. <laughs> Apparently I just had this like scotch tape just across oh. the back of my head. God knows from how, from when, I don't know. Did somebody do that to you? I, it would have, I think I was sabotaged. I was too hot to handle. And yeah, one of my were. friends sabotaged me. Um, Fucking smoking. <laughs> So that was incredibly awkward. I always remember that. I think I ran off the dance floor and was like, fuck this. <laughs> I oh wanted to go God. home. It was so awkward. Like pretend to be angsty instead of sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like trying to be mysterious, but really I just had scotch tape in my hair. So I'm mortified. Yeah. Um, well, the first time I went to a dance at my high school, I had a really great time. We went with all of our friends. I was in a bomb ass, like big poofy cupcakey, like short dress. Um, it was black. Would you wear it now? I definitely would wear it now. It was beautiful. It was so fun. Like, I mean, not seriously, but I would want to like to your wedding yeah, (laughs) or to your wedding. Oh, cool. (laughs) Cool. I love that. As a guest. Bridesmaid Um, dresses are picked. (laughs) I guess the most awkward thing that happened at that dance and for the dances throughout freshman year and sophomore year was that, I don't know if at your school, people always made a freak train. I am not familiar with the term. <laughs> so it was like, but it could be because I wasn't cool enough to be a part of it. So that's so true. Yeah. Um, so instead of <laughs> that's just probably it continue <laughs> instead of freaking freaking in quotes with one person, you and all your friends would create a train and that way everyone had a dance partner, but you were all dancing in like this freak train around the auditorium. And that is something I regret on a soul level. <laughs> As an adult woman. That feels out of alignment. <laughs> I reflect back and it's upsetting. It's upsetting. Um, it was just something that you couldn't even really get out of. You were just like in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. when the song ended, you could walk away, but like you were just stuck there because someone's in your front, someone's on your back. And it was a freak train. Tight. It was tight. But yeah, that was probably my first experience of dance, those two things. And that's how dances went for me as a 13, 14 year old. I love was that. Taping my hair and freak trains. Okay. 
Tell me about the worst date you've ever been on. <laughs> okay. Um, let's think. So I had a phase where like all of a sudden I would just be dating everyone from the alt-right wing. But on accident. It's like on you accident. wouldn't know until you got there and like, they had a Trump flag. I was like, you're so hot. And then we'd be having so much fun. And then I'd get there and they had a Trump flag that it was the size of your bed pinned to anyway they weren't all gems but my <laughs> some were cool some were okay i would say one of the worst times i've ever had on a date uh i was dating someone in community college so okay so this is one of our very first dates and he was again very religious and i had no idea until one of our first couple of dates. And he's like, you know what we should do? Like, let's go to my church this Sunday. Oh, you know what we should not do is go to your <laughs> church on Sunday. Actually, it may have been like one of the Monday, like youth services okay. that he took me to still like, you wouldn't talk to me and be like, this girl dessert, like should be in church. Right. Or he was like, this girl needs Jesus. <laughs> maybe. So one of our, like literally maybe the second or third date, he took me to his service at his church and we get there and I'm like, okay, this is really awkward. I don't really want to be there. I don't know how to like be in a church really. Mm -hmm. So he's like, okay, well I just have to go. You're like in your booty shorts, <laughs> <laughs> your eat your heart out shirt. Um, and so we get there and he's like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. So he like puts me down on this like corner of the church and um, he goes to the bathroom and I'm like waiting there for a long time, mm -hmm. 10, 10, 15 minutes passed. I'm like, he can't still be in the bathroom. I'm in this corner of the church. And then I hear him talking and I'm like, the fuck? And so I go around the corner. He's met up with all of his friends already. He's just chatting, hanging out, greeting people like you do before church. And so I'm like, that's fucked up. So I walk over and I introduce myself. I'm like, hi, motherfucker. You're supposed to be Peace in the bathroom. Be with you, motherfucker. <laughs> it was really fucked up. It's like, you can't just bring me to this place and then not, like, leave me somewhere and inter not introduce me to all your friends. I'm going to put this slut in the corner and then go meet with my friends. <laughs> Hopefully God will reach her here. Yeah. Jesus. God. Um, so I'm like, um, hi. And then I like introduce myself to all of his mm -hmm. friends. So we get past that. We go sit down mm -hmm. and then he sits me down and like the service starts and it just like, feels like awkward. It feels like there's tension mm -hmm. and it's because they know you're not pure. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, and then he leans over. He's like, by the way, my ex is like right behind you. So <laughs> he ditched me and then had me sit in front of her in front of this poor girl the entire time. I could feel like this daggers behind my head. Um, You're like, is this what God feels like? Cause I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. And she's just like behind us the entire time. And he's like Aww. not really interacting with me because his ex-girlfriend is right behind me. Yeah. And it was just the most uncomfortable date I think I've ever been on. That's fair. So it's not really as funny. I think there was another I think date. It's really funny. <laughs> and I want to point out, there's nothing wrong with going to church. And there are a lot no. of religious people that I love taking somebody on a date to your church in the very beginning, probably, mm -hmm. I don't know. Just like, think about it. Think yeah. about like, who's at your church? Yeah. Is this person going to be like fit in? I don't know. Just like 
just question that, just your like, motives. Is my ex-girlfriend going to be sitting in the pew behind her? And will that be uncomfortable for everyone involved? Yeah. So I have a question. And if you are a family member, I would like you to mute it now. Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. Yeah. What is your favorite thing that somebody has ever said to you during sex? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. It's a trend on TikTok. And I'm not going to lie. I've been, like, watching them. And I, like, I like them. Really? <laughs> yeah. People are, like... Reading things my partner said to me during sex. And some of them I'm like, that would work. Fuck. I'm like, yeah, it's working now. Oh <laughs> like my God. You typing it out is working now. <laughs> and I know it's not directed towards me. Not even towards me. Oh my God, that's so funny. They're great. Oh, I have to think. I okay. I guess this is going gonna change into dirty talk. I really put you on the spot you right really here. Did. I guess I have a I, I really like dirty talk, but that's not really being told something during sex, but I like being ordered around a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, oh my God. I really hope my dad stopped listening <laughs> at that part when you told him to, um, I gave a PSA. So at this point it is your choice, whether you're going to listen to this next part. So I really so want you true. to think about if this is something you want because mm-hmm. you will have to see Emma again. Yeah. Like you will have to look her have in to the look eyes. look me in the eye and hear this. Um, so I would say if I were to just get straight to the point of answering this question of things that turn me on during mm-hmm. sex is being ordered around. Okay. I like being told what to do, um, how to do it. And that turns me on. Um, I think, I think that would be it. I, yeah. Do you have an answer? What would be your, do you? It's not my interview. (laughs) What are some things on TikTok you've heard? Fuck, I don't even know. Have they been like dirty or have they been like sexy? It's like dirty talk. Really? So like, that's why I've been like surprised, like seeing it on TikTok because a lot of things get taken down. Yeah, but really they only take down things that are in line with whatever. Yeah. Anyways. That's what what I would say. I would just say dirty talk in general. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't always like talking. I mean, I think sometimes it's more fun and more pleasurable for me to have like emotional romantic sex. You're like complete silence. silence. (laughs) I'm going to put my headphones in and listen to a podcast. (laughs) Let's just do this. Um, Oh, (laughs) yeah, I would say like, yes, being a little bit. You were going to say something. I would like for you to say it. It was going to be around like handcuffs and like. Okay. Being, have you used handcuffs before? I have. They're really fun. <laughs> I was okay, no, I was li- I was literally talking to my partner about that yesterday. So mm-hmm. I appreciate your endorsement. They like fake handcuffs or like real handcuffs. <laughs> Police grade. You need no <laughs> military grade. <laughs> Just use zip ties. Zip ties. <laughs> As tight as you can. Jesus. No. So definitely like sex store. Um handcuffs fluffy pink <laughs> cheetah fluffy. I like a, it was a little painful because yeah. like if you do it kind of tighter it's whatever mm-hmm. but like just being kind of restrained in that way yes I was a very big turn on for me and again it's not always but sometimes when you just need a little heat and a little passion being told what you're gonna do and being like kind of made to do it in the moment is one of the best things I've probably ever experienced yeah it's hot sex. it's really fucking hot and I don't know if this is, if you would agree with this, but I know in my personal relationship, 
my partner is not super like just like demanding in general, uh-huh. just very like maybe a little more passive uh-huh. um, in like our real life. So when we're having sex, it's like exciting and fun for him to be a little bit more demanding. Uh-huh. And if any of my family members are listening, stop <laughs> right now Please stop. because I'm going to say something that I don't want any of you to hear. Mm-hmm. But like holding my hands and arms like above my head, like, I like that. Uh-huh. And one time that came out of nowhere and I was like, fuck, like, what? where did this come from? And where has it been? Because this is the energy I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah. So like, exactly. Yes, I get what you're saying. Changing up the personalities in the bedroom is a very big turn on. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm great at like role play as in like teacher student things, but I'm fantastic at it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. But role play in the sense of like different types of personalities mm-hmm. of like assertiveness or not um, is a, a green card, a green, green as in you go. You are welcome in this country. <laughs> you are welcome in this country. <laughs> For me, I would say. Yeah, I have a little more trouble being dominating like myself. Uh-huh. Um, so that's something I want. I, I know my partner wants me to work on, <laughs> but I'm not bad about it in real life. Yes. So <laughs> in real life, I can tell you everything I'm I want. I'm fantastic at it. Your hair's caught on your doorknob or your little knob. My knobs. <laughs> your right. knobs. I got it. Thank you. Alrighty. One piece of advice that you believe everyone needs to hear. Mm, okay. We were really on the same page with We were. That. I would say that one piece of advice that has really helped me is talking. You should find people that you can talk to about what's going on inside your head and your heart. I think opening up about your feelings has been one of the biggest things in my life that has helped me feel like I have control and that I have like more of an agency in what's happening. Like, yes, no one knows every day what's going to happen. No one can control these like ups and downs that you feel, especially these times with your mood and your mental state. But talking about it makes you feel so much more in control of where you're going because then you're not alone. You're taking agency. You're like, you're just commanding it. You're making it your thing instead of it's something that like is taking over you. Mm. Um, Something you're experiencing rather than something happening to you. Exactly. So I would say finding someone to talk to and having like a group of people or like your support group, finding someone like that is the best thing that I've accepted into my life of letting go of that wall. You shouldn't talk about this or this is wrong and you're alone and you know, you're the only one that's feeling this way. So definitely talking about things. I love that. Cause you're not the only one that's feeling and anything. It's, it's insane. The community you can find once you start talking about it, because there's so many people out there like my, to be lighthearted, my TikTok. if I like, like things that have like resonated mm-hmm. with me, gets totally curated to the people who feel exactly the same way I do. And Absolutely. That, and then there's what, 50,000 people that are liking this one video that I, resonates with me. That's yeah. 50,000 people that are feeling the exact same way that I do. And that is so much more powerful than just trying to work through it in your head, you know, like finding your community. Well, and what's the point of working 
through it in your head? Like, what's the point of working through something by yourself? That's what I don't understand. Like, I know we've both talked about like how our partners like to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to each their own, if you truly don't like talking about things with people, like, I guess that's your prerogative. I just cannot understand why you would want to experience something alone when you can connect with people over it. Like Mm -hmm. literally anything you are going through, somebody else is going through the same thing. There is no experience that you've had that no one can relate to. That's just like the thing about being human. And Mm -hmm. it's weird because it's like, oh, I'm not special, but it's like you are. It's just that everybody else experiences the same things. We're all special. We're all amazing. Mm -hmm. And we are all like truly feeling the exact same thing. So talk to somebody. Right. That's the perfect way to put it. I think that's perfect. Mm -hmm. What's something that makes you laugh every time you think about it? (laughs) This entire podcast, (laughs) my life, Um, (laughs) my career, (laughs) Uh, the $20,000 of debt I have. Um, Let's think. I would say something that always makes me happy and always makes me laugh is looking at pictures of my dog to be completely honest. (laughs) Pictures of him doing dumb ass shit make me laugh all the time. There is so much that I can look back at between my sister and I that Mm -hmm. I think I cannot, like we, I don't know. I'm a different human around my sister and in the best way. Like she brings out this whole different side of my personality and I literally can't stop laughing around her. So I would say anything that has to do with my sister, I, I will laugh every single time. It'll be screenshots. It'll be looking back through our text chains. It'll be looking at our pictures that we send back and forth. This is, oh, <laughs> I love her so much. I, it's, I would say anything around her mm-hmm. would make me laugh every single time I think about it. She's the first person I think of when I need to be cheered up. She's the pers- first person I think of when I need advice or guidance or just anything. So she's my number one person in my entire life. So I would, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I would say get a big sister. sister, get a big sister. Yeah. She, she's funnier than I will ever be. She's more intelligent than I will ever be. Um, she's wittier. She's, She's everything I look up to in the entire world. And um, she makes me laugh harder than anyone, I think, in the world. So it's not anything with my sister Ugh. would make me laugh harder than every single time. Okay. We're just crying. <laughs> Whatever. That wasn't where I expected it to go. It wasn't where I expected it to go. That's not something I would first think of. But if I were to think of things that make me laugh, it's anything involving my sister. Here's to you, Haley. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say her for sure. <laughs> well, I had my mom question for you and then you had my sister. Question. Yeah. Which who knew? Haley, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew you're a big part of my life? <laughs> who knew I loved you? <laughs> who knew I loved you? <laughs> oh, that was a good question though. That was Well, fun. we're on to my last question for you, okay. as you would say, my closer. Okay. Why did you want to start Honey Do Me? Ooh, that is a good question. I like that one. Why did I want to start Honey Do Me? I think... I've had a lot of questions my whole life. I think I've always been curious. I've always felt a little bit on the outside of my friends. Um, not as, I don't know if anything like because of what's going on inside of me, but I think mm-hmm. it's in my interests, I, I haven't known what I've wanted to do ever. Mm-hmm. I don't think 
there was, there hasn't been one time where I've been like, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. And that's been really hard for me to figure out. But thinking of like talking about sex for a long time, I mean, like for multiple episodes, investing Mm -hmm. my time and talking about sex brings me more happiness than anything I've ever invested my time into. I think it's so important to talk about a lot of the things we're going to dive into. I think a lot of the subjects we've um, brainstormed have had to do with personal issues and things that really resonate with us that we don't have the resources for. We don't have Mm -hmm. an easy click of the button um, resource to figure out these answers and to feel a part of a community. Mm -hmm. And so I think creating something like Honey Do Me, a place that we're going to talk about everything is, was just, you know, chef's kiss, as we like to say, Yes, it It was just the best collaboration of passion, um, direction in life career. I don't know. It was just the best thing that I think we could have ever come up with to create a happier life, not only for ourselves, but for other people and to bring other people into this community of like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. And that's Mm -hmm. super okay because it's not talked about. It's not out there. People don't just offer this up as Mm -hmm. information to make you feel included because that's not mainstream. That's not what people make money off of. And there's a whole, you know, younger girls growing up just feel completely, or anyone really feels excluded sometimes because of the things that are going on within sight of them that they can't ask questions about, or they get judged by their friends. Like I remember when I found my very first friend that, um, I could talk about masturbating with, which was years after I started masturbating. And I felt like I was the first one that has ever done that in my entire life. And she was like, you're the inventor. I invented it. I, you know, put my trademark on it and I sent it (laughs) off into the world. You're welcome. Um, But it was just this like groundbreaking moment to find someone else that was meeting with me on that same level. Like I'm not this like pervy, you know, 13 year old. I'm not wrong. I'm not, you know, (laughs) sinning in front of God, (laughs) you know, it's like, everything within your body is so normal and it's mm-hmm. not talked about enough. It's not, it took, it took way too long for me to figure that out. It, it's going to take way too long for people younger than us to figure that out. And I think creating honey do me is a great avenue to start normalizing all of those feelings. So I'd say finding you and creating honey do me are two of the best things that I have going on in my life. Oh. <laughs> that is my answer. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) And goodbye. I think those were amazing questions. That was really fun. That was beautiful. It's going to be a bitch to edit. It's going to be a bitch to edit. Thank you so much for tuning in. We had so much fun doing this. And if you got off on today's episode (laughs) and want to keep the party going, you can follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And more importantly, you can head to our website, honeydomepodcast.com and subscribe to our email list. What are they going to get if they do that? Well, (laughs) you are going to get our freebie, which is currently a list of our 10 favorite sex things. So you're going to get Cass's Game Changers, that's me, and Emma's (laughs) Non-Negotiables, that's her. And we're not going to lie, it's a pretty darn good list. So please... Head there, check that out. And if you have time, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me Podcast on Apple Podcasts. That helps us get out to other people, get the word out. Um, And we'll see you on the next episode. See you soon.